In the wake of news reports suggesting that the Clinton Foundation may be targeted for indictment by an FBI investigation and that Hillary Clinton's private email server was indeed hacked no less than five times by foreign intelligence agencies, the 2016 Democratic nominee was asked whether she would fire the current FBI director, James Comey, if she were to be elected president. Here was her answer yesterday, quote, I'm not going to get ahead of myself by assuming I'll be fortunate enough to be elected. That's up to you and your listeners. People have to turn out or nothing I'm going to be proposing will come into reality. But I would also never comment on any kind of personnel issue. That commentary follows hard on the heels of reports that Attorney General Loretta Lynch's Justice Department has put severe pressure on the FBI to drop the Clinton Foundation investigation. According to the Wall Street Journal, this is a direct quote, officials at Justice Department headquarters sent a message to all the offices involved to stand down, a person familiar with the matter said. A senior Justice Department official called the FBI Deputy Director, Mr. McCabe, on August 12th to say agents in New York seem to be disregarding or disobeying their instructions. The conversation was a tense one, they said. At one point, Mr. McCabe asked, quote, are you telling me I need to shut down a validly predicated investigation? The senior Justice Department official replied, of course not. Yeah, right. All of which means that the American people are now forced into the position of using this election as a law enforcement tool. We are supposed to be the judge and the jury and the political executioners. That's because we don't trust the FBI anymore to be impartial, and we definitely don't trust the DOJ to enforce the law impartially, not after Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch. If we did trust those institutions, Hillary wouldn't have any problems. She could simply say, look, look, if I'm guilty, then I'll be prosecuted. You elect me, and then the DOJ and the FBI will do their job, and the law will just work how it's supposed to. But that doesn't have any credibility. In a world where the FBI director refused to recommend indictment for a clear and obvious crime, and then announced a reopen investigation based on unclear factors, none of that has any credibility when the DOJ has become the legal arm of the President of the United States. So we, the people, have to decide. Should Hillary be allowed to run the very agencies of government tasked with enforcing law against her? Should Trump be elected simply to allow the gears of law enforcement to turn properly? In this light, you know, crowds chanting lock her up, it starts to look a lot more reasonable since the opposite is crowds chanting elect Hillary so she can take over the FBI and DOJ and stop her own imprisonment. Corruption in our government forces us to be the law enforcement body of last resort. That is tragic. But unfortunately, that's the way it is. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So, tons to get to today. And uh, I'm sorry we didn't have a podcast yesterday. I was on the road yesterday at uh, speaking at TCU where we had 500 students, full house, 150 people out in the lobby. Wonderful event. I'm headed to University of Texas at Austin today, uh, which should be another party. And uh, and then we're going to head back home. But I want to uh, acknowledge we're going to do the mailbag a little bit later. So stick around for that. Lots going on today. First, we have to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So Birch Gold is the place where you want to go if you're interested in buying precious metals. They have a, a, a free kit that they'll give you, a 16-page kit that tells you all about investing in precious metals. If you go to birchgold.com slash Ben, they'll teach you how to take your 401k or your, or your IRA and move it into a move it into gold, move it into precious metals, which may be something that's worthwhile considering how much uncertainty we're about to experience in the economy, no matter who's elected. There's tremendous amounts of uncertainty in this entire election. And so if you're looking to at least take some of your money and put it in precious metals as a hedge against inflation and uncertainty, birchgold.com slash Ben is the way to do it again, birchgold dot com slash Ben. Okay, so tons to get to here. I want to start with the latest in electoral news. So uh, do we have this uh, this map? Can we post that map? Okay, so 
This is what the electoral map, believe it or not, could look like. This is worst case scenario. What the electoral map could look like on Tuesday. Worst case scenario, a 269-269 tie. And no, this is actually not out of the realm of possibility. This map is actually the map that you get if Hillary wins all of Maine, if Trump doesn't win any Maine votes, but Trump wins New Hampshire, and he wins Arizona, and Georgia, and Florida, and Ohio, and Iowa, and North Carolina. If he wins all of those states, and he wins New Hampshire, this will be, he will have 269 electoral votes. Hillary Clinton will also have 269 electoral votes. That is not remotely outside the realm of possibility. If there is a tie, then this goes to the House of Representatives, which decides. But you assume these are gonna be a lot of close states, which means you're gonna get four or five recounts in states. So if you like 2,000, worst case scenario, this could be 2,000 times 1,000. It could be just awful all the way through uh, if this ends up as a tie. But all the momentum is in Trump's corner right now. There are two new polls out of New Hampshire that show Trump up, which is really amazing. He was down double digits in most of the polls just two weeks ago. There's a poll yesterday that shows him up in Virginia. That's one poll among many. Uh, there's polls that show him down in Florida. There's polls that show him up in Florida. All the polls basically have him up in Ohio. All the polls basically have him up in Iowa unclear what's going on in Nevada. There's some polls where he's up, some polls where he's down, unclear where it is in North Carolina. A lot of uncertainty in this race. You know, my own take on the race is this feels a lot, a lot like 2012, where Romney made a big surge at the end and Republicans, including me, thought Romney was going to win. And then his turnout game just wasn't Obama's turnout game. And Obama ended up winning on the basis of turnout. We have no idea what the turnout's going to be like this year because Trump has built no ground game. Hillary does have a ground game. So just realistically speaking, Trump's going to have to have a lot of very enthusiastic people and Hillary's going to have to have a lot of very unenthusiastic people, which could happen, which is why I'm not ruling out the possibility of a Trump win. If I had to put money on it right now, I think the betting markets are basically correct. I think that essentially this is about a 65-35 chance that Hillary is the is the president of the United States come next in, come uh, next next Wednesday morning, but this is way too close to call for Hillary Clinton. And you can tell by the way that she's losing her mind. And she should be losing her mind because every day there is new news that is breaking. It's amazing. Every day there's more news breaking about how corrupt Hillary is and how deep this FBI investigation goes. So last night, Brett Baer was on Fox News and he announced a bunch of details about this, this FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton, including the fact that she was lying basically when she said that her server had never been hacked. Apparently her private server was hacked no less than five times by five different foreign intelligence agencies, according to Brett Baer. Here was Baer last night. Two separate sources with intimate knowledge of the FBI investigations into the Clinton emails and the Clinton Foundation tell Fox the following. The investigation into the Clinton Foundation looking into possible pay-for-play interaction between Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and the Foundation has been going on for more than a year, led by the White Collar Crime Division Public Corruption Branch of the Criminal Investigative Division of the FBI. The Clinton Foundation investigation is a, quote, very high priority. Agents have interviewed and re-interviewed multiple people about the Foundation case. And even before the WikiLeaks dumps, these sources said agents had collected a great deal of evidence. Pressed on that, one source said, quote, a lot of it. And there is an avalanche of new information coming in every day. Some of it from WikiLeaks, some from new emails. The agents are actively and aggressively pursuing this case, and they will be going back and interviewing the same people again, some for the third time. As a result of the limited 
immunity deals to a number of top aides, including Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson. The Justice Department had tentatively agreed that the FBI would destroy those laptops after a narrow review. We are told definitively that has not happened. And those devices are currently in the FBI field office here in Washington, D.C., and are being exploited. It's an amazing, amazing story, right? I mean, he's, he's exposing all of these details, and none of them are good for Hillary Clinton. These are all a disaster for Hillary Clinton. Uh, the chairman of the House uh, Homeland Security Committee, Mike McCall from Texas, uh, he says that Hillary Clinton could face impeachment over this stuff, even if she's elected. This investigation will continue uh, whether she wins or not, but assuming she wins uh, and the investigation goes forward and it looks like an indictment is pending, at that point in time under the Constitution, uh, the House of Representatives would uh, engage in an impeachment trial. It would go to the Senate and impeachment proceedings and removal would take place. Uh, remember, this the only last time I can recall when this happened was Richard Nixon, uh, who was impeached uh, and resigned before he would have been voted to remove office. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I remember uh, Gerald Ford pardoned uh, him from any criminal wrongdoing. Uh, I would hate to see this country being thrown into a constitutional crisis because of Hillary facing. Clinton's okay, behavior. So th and, that, and that's what we're facing. McCall is right. I mean, we are facing the prospect of Hillary Clinton being elected and then facing impeachment, although the chances of her actually being impeached, tried and convicted in the Senate are extraordinarily low. But that doesn't mean that she won't be hampered for her entire presidency, which may be the only good news if Hillary Clinton were to be elected, is that she would be a weak president. No one would take her seriously. The Congress would buck her routinely because, after all, she's so corrupt, they don't have to pay any attention to her. But it is amazing. So the American people are being asked now, as I said before, to be law enforcement. It's our job now to be law enforcement because Hillary could come in, she could wipe out the FBI, she could put her own people in a DOJ, they already are. She could put more of her own people in a DOJ, prevent any investigation from going forward, basically be Nixon, right? Nixon during Watergate, there's a special prosecutor and he basically had him fired in what was called the Saturday Night Massacre. Hillary could do the same thing using the DOJ and, uh, and she could fire a bunch of people at the FBI to protect herself, which would necessitate impeachment from Congress. It could be a full-scale disaster. Wouldn't be a surprise. That's who Hillary Clinton is. Now, that's only if Hillary wins. So right now, because of all of this, a lot of Americans are looking at Hillary and going, we're not sure about this. This does not look so good. Like, we're not enamored of Trump. But as long as Trump shuts his mouth and stays out of the way, and we have to look Hillary Clinton as president directly in the face, that is an ugly, ugly idea. I mean— not because of her face, per se, but because this is just the idea of Hillary Clinton as president is just horrendous. It's too corrupt to, to contemplate. Democrats are freaking out about this. Barack Obama in particular is losing his mind over this. Obama is, is largely responsible for Hillary Clinton being in the predicament she's in. Under Barack Obama, the Democrats have lost at the state level well over 900 seats in various state legislatures. They've lost 12 governorships. Uh, they've lost 13 Senate seats. They've lost an, an enormous number of House seats. They've done that because Barack Obama's coalition is not the traditional Democratic coalition. The traditional Democratic voting coalition is largely dependent on working class white voters. Obama wiped that off the map for Democrats in 2012. The working class white vote went for Mitt Romney. Instead, Obama won on the basis of very, very strong minority turnout. The problem is, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, it's not replicable. Just because Obama was able to get lots of black people to vote doesn't mean Hillary would be able to get a lot of black people to vote. And that's what's happening right now. A lot of the constituencies that, that Obama alienated are moving over to Trump. Now, the sad thing is that if Republicans had run someone who wasn't such a crap show like Trump, 
and they'd kept Romney's constituencies and added the ones that, that Obama has alienated, this would have been a wipeout. I mean, this would have been a wipeout for Republicans. Imagine if Republicans had gotten that white working class vote with some other candidate and not alienated the college-educated female vote, which is now going for, for Hillary Clinton. That went for Romney last time. If it were a narrow gap, Trump would be up by five in the polls right now. He's not because of who he is. But Obama is looking around. He's going, all of this was about me. And I'm not going to have anybody to pick up the pieces after I'm gone. And Obama is, I mean, he is, granted, the most narcissistic man in America. And that includes Donald Trump. I mean, Obama is a true narcissist because Trump thinks he is all of these wonderful things and he isn't. Obama also thinks that, but he's smart enough to know better. And he still has no humility about who he is. It's truly amazing. And this is a guy who, after the Cubs won last night, he actually... Uh, came forward and, and asked the Cubs to visit the White House while he's still president. So he's going to steal that honor from the next president of the United States because he has to be a part of it. Typical Obama. I thought he was a White Sox fan, by the way, so he shouldn't be quite so eager to have the Cubs to the White House. But there you are. Obama is out there on the campaign trail and he is freaking out. And you can tell that this race is a lot closer than Democrats want it to be by the attitude that they're using. Here's Obama freaking out about the possibility of a Donald Trump presidency. I've got Republican friends who don't think or act the way Donald Trump does? This is somebody who is uniquely unqualified. I ran against John McCain. I ran against Mitt Romney. I thought I'd be a better president. But I never thought that the republic was at risk if they were elected. And guess what, North Carolina? The good news is all of you are uniquely qualified to make sure guy who's uniquely unqualified does not become president. You just got to vote. Okay, and so he says, I hate this sort of hypocrisy from Barack Obama. So I think that Trump is an outlier, meaning I don't think he's in the same line of Republicans as McCain and Romney. I don't think he's a good man. I don't think that he's a conservative. But Democrats don't get to play this game where I've never said, I've never believed that Republicans were unqualified for office before, that they couldn't be, that the country would be ruined. I'm old enough to remember when Joe Biden, your vice president, was saying in the in the run up to the 2012 election that if Mitt Romney were elected president of the United States, black people would be put back into chains. That would be a pretty big threat to the republic, wouldn't it? His entire campaign slogan back in, in 2012, Obama's was, that Mitt Romney wants to send you back to the 1950s, presumably when women were in the kitchen and black people were still under the thumb of Jim Crow. Okay, so the idea that, that Obama's going to stand there and now he's going to say, yeah, no, I, I've always been cordial to Republicans, but not Trump. Trump's different. It just doesn't, it doesn't fly. You cry wolf enough times when the actual wolf shows up at the door, nobody believes you. Obama's also panicking because he thought he could just tell black people to vote for Hillary and they'd show up and vote for Hillary. It turns out that black people are not just pawns of Barack Obama, and a lot of them are not enamored of Hillary, and they, they just don't care that much. So Obama is trying to, is trying to lecture black people about how they need to uh, they need to vote more and and i'm going to be honest with you right now because we track we've got early voting we've got all kinds of metrics to see what's going on and right now the latino vote is up overall vote is up but the african-american vote right now is not as solid as it needs to be and i know that there are a lot of people in, in barbershops and the beauty salons and you know, in the neighborhoods who are saying to themselves, well, you know, we love Barack, we love, we especially love Michelle, and so, you know, it was exciting, and, and now we're not excited as much, and you know what, 
I need everybody to understand that everything we've done is dependent on me being able to pass the baton to somebody who believes in the same things I believe in. I mean, this is really perverse language. It's, it's, it's the language of dictatorship, right? He's dictating to the black community in the barber shops. I mean, if a white person said this, think how racist that would sound. Yeah, I know there are a lot of black people, and they're in the barber shops and the hair salons. It's like, really? Black people aren't anywhere except for barber shops? But here's Barack Obama telling black people, listen, I'm telling you, you need to vote for my successor because I'm handing off the baton. Go out there because I'm black and you're black. You listen to me. It really is disgusting stuff. We have to take a quick break. Say hello to our friends at DSTLD. If you, it's distilled, but it's dstld.com slash Ben. And this is where you go if you want a great pair of jeans. So DSTLD, their jeans, instead of costing you a couple hundred dollars, which you can pay for, for a, a nice pair of jeans, they start at 65 bucks. They cut out the retail middlemen. It's direct to you. And they are they are very efficient in how they in how they build their their clothes and how they and how they create the clothes and the kind of materials that they use. Um, but these are legitimate jeans. They're great. I have a pair of them. They're one of my favorite pairs of jeans. Uh, they fit terrific. They're really really comfortable and they are really cheap. In fact, I went back and I bought a second pair of jeans uh, because I thought that it was such a deal. It's dstld.com/slash/ben. You get ten bucks off your first pair. So if it starts at sixty five bucks, it starts at fifty five bucks. For you, because you listen to the show, it's dstld.com slash Ben. And again, you get that $10 off, and you show them that you listen to the show, which means they continue to advertise with us, and that's how we pay all of the useless people who otherwise would be unemployable behind the scenes on this show. But it's a it, great pair of jeans. You'll really enjoy dstld.com, distilled.com slash Ben. Okay, so finally, Barack Obama is so desperate now that earlier this week, the White House had said that they didn't see anything wrong with what James Comey did in announcing that he was reopening his investigation to Congress. Obama clearly has seen the fallout from that hit Hillary Clinton, and now he's desperate, and he too is throwing FBI Director James Comey under the bus. We don't operate on innuendo. We don't operate on incomplete information. We don't operate on leaks. We operate based on concrete decisions that are made. When this was investigated thoroughly the last time, the conclusion of the FBI, the conclusion of the Justice Department, the conclusion of repeated congressional investigations was that uh, you know, she had made some mistakes, but that there wasn't anything there that was uh, you know, prosecutable. Okay, so that's that's it's amazing. Democrats have now shifted completely against Comey in protection of their gal. That's how you know they're desperate. Well, we have to break here on Facebook and YouTube. But if you want to continue watching, go over to DailyWire.com, become a subscriber. If you're an annual subscriber, then you get a free copy of my book, True Allegiance, signed by me. Obviously, if you're a subscriber, you also get Andrew Clavin's show. You get to be part of the mailbag. Today we're on the road, so we can't do live mailbag. But in, in terms of you writing into me while I'm on the air, but I will be doing the mailbag and your questions only get answered in the mailbag if you are a member at the site at dailywire.com. And, uh, and it's, it is a fantastic deal where we're adding new features all the time. We're going to be adding new, new content that you're going to be able to participate in because you're a member over at dailywire.com. Check it out. We are the top conservative podcast in America. The Democrats obviously are in panic mode. So Nancy Pelosi, too, she also says that James Comey needs to go. He's just too corrupt. He must be done away with. 
maybe they'll find his body in the river afterward. But but we need to we need to do away with this Comey guy so we can get Hillary elected. Here is the the highly Botoxed former Speaker of the House. And he says, well, it's too close to the election uh, to talk about that. And yet it's not too close to the election to talk about uh, 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 the emails that he says may not be significant. So I think he made a mistake. And these jobs, if you're not in it for a while, you can't take the heat. And I think he just couldn't take the heat from the Republicans. It's really unfortunate because I do believe he is a good person. Maybe he's not in the right job. Do you think he should resign? No, I, I'm not going to that place. I think that we have to just get through this election and uh, just see what the casualties are along the way. I love this so much. It's so great. The, the idea that he's corrupt. He's, he's, uh, he can't be trusted. He's in the wrong position. But no, he shouldn't. I'm not saying he should resign. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him. Amazing. I mean, the Democrats must be freaking out. They must be losing their minds. Hillary clearly is. Hillary uh, was was asked, as we mentioned earlier, about whether she would ask Comey to resign, and she said she wouldn't answer the question. But then she did a rally, and this is like full Howard Dean nuttiness. I mean, this is this is somebody who thinks that she might lose. Hillary Clinton losing her mind after a rally goer shows up. The rally goer was holding a sign that said, "Bill Clinton is a rapist." Okay, Bill Clinton is an alleged rapist. Hillary loses her mind. She goes off her nut. Here is Hillary Clinton going full Howard Dean. So what ends up happening there is the guy gets shouted down by the audience and Hillary goes into a full scale rant. She starts screaming about the vile, vicious, horrible Republicans and how terrible they are. And it's it's screechy and over the top. I mean, it is Howard Dean, right? It's 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 unbelievable. She clearly does not know what to do here. And so the best she can do is just try out all these old stories about how Donald Trump doesn't like women, et cetera, et cetera. Here she was doing that routine yesterday. Trump doesn't like women. He doesn't see us as full human beings with our own dreams, our own purposes, our own capabilities. And he has shown that clearly throughout this campaign. Well, he is very wrong. He is wrong about both the women and the men of this country. He has shown us who he is. Let us on Tuesday show him who we are. Okay, and then that's going to be her line. Now, this is the last vestige of the failing Hillary campaign is she's a woman's and the women's have the vaginas and the vaginas make them better people. This is what's been written today by a woman named Jill Filipovich over at Time.com. She has an entire article about why Hillary has been a victim of the penis. Really, this is this is a direct quote. The first woman is just days away from probably being elected president of the United States. And so, of course, her candidacy has been fraught. 
by two guys obsessed with their own penises, including one whose last name is literally Wiener. Now, let's not pretend that Hillary is innocent in all of this, okay? Hillary Clinton stood by Bill Clinton, tried to intimidate his alleged rape victims, his alleged sexual assault and harassment victims. Hillary Clinton called them bimbos. Hillary Clinton is the person who called Monica Lewinsky a narcissistic looney tune. Hillary made herself do all these things because she was riding Bill Clinton's coattails and the rest of them all the way into the White House. That was the idea here. But no, she's the victim. She's not She's not the beneficiary of her husband's penis. She's the victim of her husband's penis. Filipovich even goes so far as to, as to say James Comey is doing what he's doing because the man is unlucky enough to have a penis. Quote, at least unlike the others, he wasn't guided by his penis. But that is the depth to which many of the men, even tangentially related to this election, have sunk and how low they have set the bar. Men are always to blame, according to Filipovich. I, I mean, this is nutty thinking. She writes, gendered insults we were expecting. Look, a penis we were not. Men build towering shrines to their manhoods. The Washington Monument, the Eiffel Tower. Are we really so surprised that faced with the first woman inches away from taking the seat of ultimate and until now male-only power, men like Trump would explicitly emphasize their own inches? Okay, first of all, Trump was emphasizing the size of his ding-dong way back during the primaries. He hasn't done that since then. Thank, thank the Lord. Also, Trump has always been kind of a douchebag. Like, are, are we supposed to pretend that Trump wasn't Trump until the last five minutes? He was Trump for the last 40 years. Trump was, was doing Playboy magazine in the early 90s. This is who Trump is. He's not doing it because of Hillary Clinton. That's silly talk. Also, I have to say, just for historical accuracy's sake, the Washington Monument was not meant as a giant phallic symbol. It was an imitation Egyptian obelisk. And the Eiffel Tower, I don't know when's the last time Jill Filipovich saw a penis, but the Eiffel Tower looks nothing like a penis. Okay, the Eiffel Tower, in fact, the Eiffel Tower looks less like a penis than most of the major towers in New York City, right? So it, it's just silly towns. She, but Filipovich concludes, quote, the problem is always the penis, and thus we need a vagina to solve it. The great irony, this is a direct quote, the great irony of it all is that little else could make a better case for putting more women in positions of power. Women can be seen as craven, evil, and corrupt as men, but rarely do they act so pathetically like adolescent boys distracting from the real issues with lizard brain sexual stupidity. Yet here we are in an election of historic feminist significance, and we aren't talking about the hard-earned power of a groundbreaking woman. Instead, the hard-ons of has-been men and the hard-heads of quietly powerful ones might just screw Clinton's shot at the White House. Except the only one blowing this is Hillary. It has nothing to do with penises, okay? This has to do with Hillary Clinton. Set up a private server. She associates with known sleazebags. And then she's shocked when her when her corruption comes to light. And by the way, Hillary Clinton is also the same lady who once said that she wanted to see Lenny Kravitz's junk. So I'm not going to give a lot of credit to the whole lizard-brained men's, but wonderful, wonderful women. It's just, it's, it's, it's silliness. But this is what, I, I don't know, I don't think that good women honestly find solace in this sort of thing, but I think that the media is full of women who think that womanhood confers some sort of extra measure of, of, wonder upon people. I don't think that womenhood, I don't think manhood confers an extra measure of, of wonder upon men. I think that men are generally pigs, but there's this idea in the media that you can say sexist things about women and it's okay so long as, as the sexist things that you're saying are beneficial to women. So Michael Brzezinski, Nika Brzezinski over at MSNBC, she says that the thing about Hillary is that she's demonstrating that women always fight to the bitter end.
I think now she's doing the right thing. I think now the strategy is strong because it's going after the real, honest weaknesses of her opponent. And that's the math the voter ultimately has to do. Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton and her staff is much better when they are on the defensive. <laughs> Get you know the oh, 10 days ago going to concerts and feeling like this was one that's just not Hillary Clinton. That might be Bill Clinton. That might be the male point of view, which is, ah, we got this. But women, we don't. We fight to the bitter end to get where we need to go. And I think she's now doing that, and it's hopeful. But it's going to be to the bitter end. I'm hearing. It's to the bitter end. She's, she's fighting to the bitter end. Unlike men who actually fight battles to the bitter end. Yeah, women fight battles to the bitter end, and that just demonstrates what a strong person she is. If this is the last relic of, of this campaign, man, no oh man, do they have troubles. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is is trying desperately to, to stop himself from leaping off the cliff. So every time Donald Trump has momentum, he immediately kicks himself in the balls. It's just the way that, that he's run this entire campaign. And so he feels the necessity to do that. He's actively now trying to keep himself from doing that. Clip 14 at a rally yesterday, he actually stops himself in the middle of the rally and tells himself to stay on point. In six days, we are going to win the great state of Florida. And we are going to win the White House. Going to win it. It's feeling like it already, isn't it? Just, we've got to be nice and cool. Nice and cool. Right? Stay on point, Donald. Stay on point. No sidetracks, Donald. Nice and easy. Nice. Because I've been watching Hillary the last few days. She's totally on a hinge. We don't want any of that. Stay on point. Stay on point. <laughs> and Kellyanne Conway is in the back mouthing to him. Stay on point. And he's like, stay on point. Do it. Stay on point. <laughs> he didn't quite stay on point yesterday. He tried to create a headline of his own by going after Katie Turr. Uh, he goes after the media with frequent frequency and regularity, which is fine. He then called out Katie Turr, this reporter for NBC News by name. Don't know what the purpose was was of this, except that Donald Trump is a uniquely vindictive uh, jerk. And so here he is going after after Katie Turr. There's something happening. They're not reporting it, Katie. You're not reporting it, Katie. But there's something happening, Katie. There's something happening, Katie. Okay, there's something happening. Like, why Katie? Like, a lot of the people aren't reporting what's happening. And I don't know that Katie Turr isn't reporting the movement in the polls. I didn't realize that it was her job to even report the polls. So it's kind of, it's, it's bizarre, but it's the way that Trump riles up the crowd. It's one of the things that I don't think is going to change. Here's the thing about Trump, okay? So I've spent most of the show bashing Hillary because that's worth talking about. Hillary, there's no excuse for voting for her. I'm seeing a lot of Republicans ranging from David Frum to, to Brett Stevens talking about the conservative case voting for Hillary. There is no conservative case voting for Hillary. There is a strategic case that Donald Trump would not be good for the Republican Party. There is no moral conservative case for voting for Hillary Clinton. There may be an instrumental case, maybe, but, but that's not the case that's being made. They're making the case that she'll be better than he will. I don't see that at all. But one of the things that, that I'm noticing is that there's now a tendency to sort of make Donald Trump not what Donald Trump is, that Donald Trump, because Hillary Clinton is doing worse, that means Donald Trump is better. Okay, Donald Trump is still Donald Trump. And Donald Trump liberated from the bounds from the bounds of, of being held accountable, which is what he would be as, as president of the United States, is not really my idea of a great time. Like maybe he'll be better than Hillary. Maybe he'll be better than Hillary for four years, but not good enough to get reelected. And then we get eight years of somebody 
who's way more influential and better at this game than Hillary Clinton. Like that's that's a possibility. I'm just going to paint two scenarios for you along these lines so that you know what the risk assessment should be. Hillary Clinton comes in for four years. She's god awful. She's terrible. She does terrible, terrible things. She's hamstrung in many ways by Congress. She's not popular. In 2018, Republicans win back the Senate, which is very likely anyway. And then in 2020, Republicans run against an elderly, corrupt Herodin who has a history of losing close elections. And then they win. Right? That, let's assume that's, that's scenario number one. Okay, now scenario number two. Donald Trump gets elected. He is just as loony as people think he is. He's kind of all over the place. He's ad hoc. He does some good things. He does some bad things. There's a recession, which is likely to happen under either president now, because in America, there's a recession every eight to 10 years. We're due. Let's say there's a recession. And then after after Donald Trump is president for four years, he loses, right? Which is very likely. That's, that's, that's not unlikely. It is very likely that whichever one of these candidates wins, they are ousted in four years by the, op- by the opposing party. And then we get somebody who's a hardcore Democrat like Russ Feingold from Wisconsin, or I get Kamala Harris from California, and she runs and she wins, and she's hardcore and she's good at this. Then you've got a real problem, right? Trump doesn't do as well in the Senate in 2018. In 2020, Democrats sweep back in. So we traded four years of Trump for the next eight to 16 years of Democrats running the show, as opposed to four years of horror show Hillary Clinton, followed by eight years of Republicans restoring balance to the universe. These are real possibilities, and we have to consider them all because it ain't that clear cut. Not saying anyone should vote for Hillary again. No moral excuse for voting for Hillary. I think there is a moral argument to be made for voting for Trump, that Trump is better than Hillary Clinton. It's not compelling to me. I think that it's that it's it's an argument. I just don't find it particularly compelling. I'm of the mind, as I've said many times before, that neither of these two people have earned my vote. But that said, I think that it's important to point out the various alternatives here. As we enter the final run here, it's going to be fascinating to see whether or not we are we are whether this is as close as people are making it out to be. Right now, most of the polling still says that, that Hillary wins this thing. Uh, I tend to think that Hillary wins. If I had put money on it, I would say Hillary wins. I'd say she wins by bigger than the polls are showing right now in the same way that Obama won bigger than the polls showed against Romney. But certainly she is not acting like somebody whose internals are showing her way ahead. Okay, time for some stuff I like, some stuff I hate, and then we'll do some mailbag. So things I like. So I have to admit, I am not a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan, which means I've spent my entire life rooting against the Cubs. Last night, when it looked like the Cubs were going to blow a 6-3 lead in the eighth inning, I have to say I got a little sick to my stomach for Cubs fans. Because, yes, deep down inside the steely exterior, uh, there still is the warm, beating heart of a decent human being. I just try to shield you from that most of the time. I have to say, I love this. I think this is so great. This is this is a video of Chris Bryant of the Cubs. And what you'll see, it's just, it's great. Because you see the, the kind of childlike joy that people take in playing the game, which is great. Baseball is better than football. It's better than basketball. It is the greatest sport. People who watched the World Series last night know this. One of the best games, Game 7s of all time. Just fantastic. Here is Chris Bryant. The ball is hit to him for the final out. And look at the grin on his face as he picks the picks it and, and throws it to first. It's just, it's just fantastic. It's just great. I love it. You know, I uh, I wish that we could all have that sort of joy in doing our jobs. Most days I do. Most days I really enjoy doing my job. This election cycle has been a little tiring, but the this, the pure and simple joy of playing a game and winning, I think, is just is just pretty wonderful there. And so, uh, you know, congratulations to the Cubs. 
I hope you, you I hope you understand that if you turn into a dynasty, all of the public love for you will immediately dissipate, and we'll just think that you're all awful, like we think the Yankees are awful. Um, but for the moment, congratulations to you and to the Indians fans. Uh, I hope that you're. Uh, I don't hope you're back next year because you play in the same division as the White Sox. But I think that you will be back, and uh, and it won't be too long before the Indians win too. Okay, time for some stuff I hate. Let's do it. So let's begin with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is just an, a horror show. She last night she tweeted out a picture of herself going like this when the Cubs won. Okay, and it's really funny because everybody else in the picture is sitting there stone-faced, so I think actually they were all watching Westworld, and Hillary just posed randomly because she was very excited that robots seem to be sentient in Westworld. Finally, a robot has a chance at the presidency. Um, But Hillary Clinton claiming that she's a Cubs fan, I just want to flash back for a moment. Here's what Hillary Clinton had to say about being a, a Cubs fan just a few years back about being a Cubs fan and a Yankees fan. When Hillary ran for the Senate, she tried hard to prove she was a New Yorker. You a Yankees fan, too? Well, now, the fact is, I've always been a Yankees fan. Um, I thought you were a Cubs fan. I am. I am a Cubs fan. But I needed an American League team, because when you're from Chicago, you cannot root for both the Cubs and the Sox. I mean, that's, you know, there's a dividing line that you can't cross there. So as a young girl, I became very interested and enamored of the Yankees. Oh, my God. I just love the way Katie Kirk went out of there. Come on, how many hats you wearing, babe? When Hillary ran for the... Okay, first of all, I love Chris Manning. I can't believe it's unbelievable. Okay, Hillary Clinton is a liar. You don't pick as a baseball fan an American League team and a National League team. If you have a secondary team, you do it for a variety of reasons, but I don't know a single baseball fan who thought, I have to have one in the American League, too. This is just such a horse pucky. It's such nonsense. Uh, But, you know, Hillary Clinton is a liar about everything, including her first name. She once said that she was named after Sir Edmund Hillary, who climbed Mount Everest. Only problem is he did that two years after she was born. So that's just pretty spectacular. Okay, other things I hate. Um, We don't have the video for this, but I'll talk about it anyway. Lena Dunham has now come out with a video in which she says that she wants straight white males to go extinct, which, last I checked, is actually kind of violent language about straight white males. I thought she was supposed to be the queen of tolerance and decency. Turns out that she's just awful all the time. Uh, she's doing her best, by the way, to ensure that straight boy males go extinct, because if you watch girls and you see her naked on a toilet, your sexuality may or may not change. Let's just put it that way. It's um, pretty, pretty spectacular. So there's that as well. Finally, another last baseball note here. I love the fact that Mediaite ran a piece in the middle. It's pretty. It, I love this. Mediaite ran a piece in the middle of the World Series where they said that people were very upset. They think they spotted the KKK at the Cubs game. Why? Because you look at this picture, you can see the people are putting up KKK in the stands. Yes, because a K is a strikeout. Okay, a K stands for strikeout when you're doing a box score. <laughs> Only the idiots in media would think that the KKK marking the number of strikeouts for the pitcher that is actually a, a sign for the Ku Klux Klan. It's just it, it is amazing how stupid uh, the leftists are and how political they are on things that have nothing to do with politics. It is it is enjoyable. I, I will point out it is enjoyable to have these sort of civic ceremonies, the Game 7s, the, the Super Bowl, where we all get to ignore politics for a little while and just enjoy things together. Uh, I don't think that they mean as much as people think they mean. It's, it's sort of like when people say violence goes down during the World Cup. Right. And then they stop playing soccer and start murdering each other again in Sudan. Uh, so, yes, I enjoyed the World Series. It was fun to watch people on the left enjoying the World Series, too. Um, but since life isn't the World Series, we then have to go back to the regular business of politics. Okay, mailbag time. Let's do a little bit of mailbag. 
Isaac writes, have you watched the documentary 13th on Netflix? If not, the documentary talks about the incarcerations and police brutality against African-Americans because of the belief there is a loophole in our 13th Amendment. Okay, so I haven't seen this, so I can't really comment on this documentary specifically. If the argument is that there is a loophole in the 13th Amendment that allows the jailing and enslavement of black people, no, that is not true. That is not what the 13th Amendment does. It abolishes slavery and involuntary servitude, and the people who are going to prison are guilty of crimes. There may be individuals who are innocent, but the vast majority of people in prison are guilty of serious crimes. Megan writes, hey, Ben, my father worships Reagan as the best president ever, and so do many others. However, a lot of others say he was one of the worst and provide some good arguments. What is your opinion on Reagan's presidency and how would you defend it? Okay, so in terms of the Soviet Union and his, his defeat of the Soviet Union, that alone makes him one of the greatest presidents in American history. Also, his economic program, which required cutting the inflation rate and taking a serious economic hit to do so, controlling inflation, cutting taxes from their dramatically high rates under, under Jimmy Carter, ensuring the restarting of business in the United States, that makes him one of the greatest economic presidents ever. Uh, one of the finest leaders in American history. As far as flaws in what he did, he raised taxes later in his term. Uh, he obviously pushed for an amnesty that was a complete fail. Uh, spending under Ronald Reagan rose pretty dramatically because he had a Democratic Congress. So like any other president, there's a mixed bag there. But overall, Reagan is one of the greatest presidents of all time and, uh, and the greatest president in the United States, probably, in, in my opinion, the greatest president in the United States since Calvin Coolidge. Uh, Kyle writes, Ben, what do you think of President Obama threatening to veto the, ND, uh, the NDAA because of the Russell Amendment in the House version? Unbelievable that protecting religious freedoms is portrayed as bad policy in the administration. Why does it seem that the left wants to wage war on religion? Well, not to get too into the specifics of the, of the NDAA because of the Russell Amendment and all that, but the left believes that religious freedom is not true freedom. The left believes that freedom only exists if I am forced to do the bidding of the left. If it is not... Their idea is if they don't like it, it becomes compulsory, right? If they don't like something, then it, it is it is compulsory that I not do it. So if my religious freedom comes into conflict with their idea that a gay person should have their, their wedding, have a cake that I'm supposed to bake, then they'll just violate my religious freedom. It, the left doesn't believe in individual rights. The left believes in social justice. Social justice is, is inherently connected with violation of individual rights because it requires group justice to trump individual justice. There is no such thing as group justice. Group justice. There's only such a thing as a group interest. Yeah, there's individual justice. There's no such thing as group as, as social justice, which is what they mean. What they mean is, is disadvantaging one group of people to the benefit of another group of people. That is not that is not justice. Individual justice is justice. The guilty people are guilty, not people who happen to share skin color with the guilty people. Mark writes, Hi, Ben. Do you have any points of sympathy with the Dakota Pipeline protests? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I will admit I haven't studied the Dakota Pipeline protests as, as much as I'd like to at this point, so I'm going to postpone on that question. But from what I've seen, I don't have a lot of sympathy for, for the Dakota Pipeline protests. It seems to me uh, that it is a necessary infrastructure project and that most of the people who are opposed to the Dakota Pipeline project are simply environmentalists who are not really concerned about Native American property rights so much as they're concerned about how oil is ruining the earth and such nonsense. Matthew says, hey, Ben, I was hoping to get your response regarding assisted suicide. I live in Colorado, and on the ballot, there's a proposition to allow a person to end his or her life 
Under the condition, the person is mentally capable, and two doctors both agree the patient is terminally ill. I figure it is safe to assume you would not support this measure. However, I'm pretty libertarian when it comes to most issue. I'm torn between compassion for one's suffering, and on the other hand, understanding that all life is precious and should not be ended based on the fact that he or she will die soon anyways. I'd really appreciate your thoughts. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack when it comes to assisted suicide. There's really two issues to hone in on. One is suicide itself, and one is the assisted portion of the suicide. Assisted suicide in foreign countries has become very, very controversial because doctors are now allowing people who want to commit suicide the ability to commit suicide, whether or not they're terminally ill. What's weird about provisions like this one is it says your body is your own so long as we determine that you're going to die anyway, which actually violates certain libertarian principles about control of your own of your own body, right? I mean. Why is it different, logically speaking, for a libertarian? If I want to kill myself because I'm having a bad day, why should I have to go through the government in order to get somebody to assist me with my suicide? Why do I need a doctor to declare me terminally ill? You're still having a government declare what is okay and what's not okay for you to do with your own body. So from a libertarian perspective, assisted suicide is, is a very weird thing if there's government oversight. When it comes to doctors participating, it's also not suicide anymore or assisted suicide. Now you're trying to rope doctors into performing things that kill patients because you're talking about affirmative acts that kill patients, not withdrawal of care, but actual affirmative acts that that kill patients. You're talking about lethal injections, for example. And getting doctors to do that, I think, is a very dangerous business. It's the doctor's job to prolong life so long as the doctor can do so and so long as the patient wants to do so. It is not the doctor's job. To, to actually perform acts of death, to do mercy killing. That's, that's not a doctor. My wife's a doctor. That's not something I think doctors uh, should be doing. As far as suicide itself, whether the government has a role in suicide, the original goal of having laws against suicide was not the idea that this was going to somehow, you know, what, what are you going to punish someone who commits suicide for? What are you going to give them the death penalty for suicide? The idea was that if you get rid of suicide as a, as a crime, then it's very difficult to get people to be involuntarily committed if they're mentally ill and they try to commit suicide. That was the idea behind, that's one of the public policy reasons why suicide is illegal, because if I have somebody in my family who's suicidal, I can call the cops and I can say, okay, guys, I have somebody in my family who's suicidal. They see this as a crime, right? That this uh, uh, Harm to self or others is usually the standard. And now they can come and they can make sure the person gets the care that they need. If you say suicide is not a crime, then you can't call, what are the cops supposed to do? You say, my family, my relative is mentally ill trying to commit suicide. And the cops say, well, whatever. Right, autonomy, what are we gonna do about that? So that's that's something we have to take into account as well. And Casey says, hi Ben, I know you value Judeo-Christian philosophy and have a distaste for atheism. I have been celebrating Diwali with my husband's family in India. Although the case system is evil, these people have a great love for family and are generous and kind people. Do you believe that it is more valuable for people to believe in a wrong religion or to have no religion? Thank you, Casey. So I believe that action is the most important thing. I believe that Judeo-Christian religion is the root of Western civilization because Judeo-Christian civilization rests on the idea that man is made in God, God's image. It rests on, rests on the idea that there is such a thing as, as human freedom and human liberty and obligations to one another. I will admit, I don't know enough about Hindu philosophy and Hindu religion to make a call as to the various merits and demerits of, of Hinduism. I will say the Western civilization is not an outgrowth of Hinduism or Islam. It is an outgrowth specifically of Judeo-Christian philosophy. And so on a civilizational level, then Juda Judaism and Christianity have had better effects on the world than Hinduism and, and, uh, and Islam. That said, for individuals, what I care about is how you act, right? I care about how you act much more than how you think. If your religion causes you to act in a better way, then 
good for you, all to the benefit. Okay, so we are now uh, we are now to the end of today's podcast. We do have a podcast tomorrow, so make sure that you come back tomorrow, and uh, and we will be here with you all the way through the election. You should subscribe now at dailywire.com, uh, and uh, and we will see you here tomorrow as this chaos continues. <laughs>get to more on this in just one second first pure talk believes in american values and that free should mean you know like free so when you switch to pure talk today you'll get a free samsung 5g smartphone there's no four-line requirement no activation fee just a free samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen quick charging battery and top tier data security qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk text 15 gigs of data and a mobile hotspot Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.